Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Friday, March 18th edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Very, uh, very rainy, uh, rainy Friday morning here, but I'm actually here, so things have changed. Uh, schedule still insane this week. Hopefully that changes uh, next week, but we'll see. Uh, a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces, um, but this... Uh, here, here we go. Like we got another pod for you guys today. So, um, full ride, Matt Green, college football show that we do every week at, at this time. Um, it, uh, it was great. So very good that we were able to make that work. Um, this week, uh, we talked about, uh, top 25, qu- uh, future quarterback power rankings, a uh, good piece by Adam Rittenberg and, uh, ESPN that we discussed and then we did our spring storylines. We're watching uh, quarterback battles that have our attention, um, the potential drop-off from UGA's defense with so much talent going in the NFL, uh, why the Notre Dame quarterback job is so important. Um, and then, you know, Clemson. They're kind of in a weird spot this spring that no one saw coming. So we're talking about all that and more on this edition of the Full Ride here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Don't forget, folks, you can watch this very podcast on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube, youtube.com. Type in the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, hit that subscribe button, like it, share it out, all that good stuff. Watch every episode of this very program right there. Um, don't forget, you can also check out the homepage, chasethomaspodcast.com. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the the daily newsletter. Oh yeah, the newsletter, Sports Renaissance Man. That's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. That's simple. And if you're not already subscribed to this very podcast, please do make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button um, and then leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. It helps other people find the show and helps this show continue to grow and uh, yeah, all that good stuff. So it would be great. Really appreciate it. Uh, it would be a nice thing, way to start uh, start your weekend off. So all that uh, would be great. Uh, I've said that would be great a lot on this podcast. That's how you know that it's been a long week. But uh, without further ado, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the full ride with fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you doing? Good evening, sir. I am. Uh, I am well. How, how about how about yourself? I'm feeling pretty good. I, I like doing these night pods when I've got like when I run far enough to get the runner's high where it wakes me back up. So I don't need any more coffee or anything like that. Like I am I am wired right now, Matt Green. I am wired and ready to talk college football with you. Um, but that's yeah, good. You know. I just pushed a drawer in like <laughs> quietly and I'm I'm worried that I triggered Zeus that he, um, he's going to. He's going to start barking. I could just see him mm-hmm. on alert. I was like, it's, it's all right, buddy. Just calm down. But no, he's, he's good. Is he that uh, sensitive to just sounds where he's barking if he hears anything in the... Honestly, both moving around? like any sort of knock, like mm-hmm. you knock on the counter or something, they just both start barking. Your house is like, you got two sweet dogs, but they're they're little beasts. And if you see them out and about, like you, like this is a, your house is a bad house to break into, I would say. Um, it's a good house if you want to do yard work for free like this the greenhouse <laughs> is where you want to go but yeah we actually had uh this guy like my parents recommended working on our house like putting on gutters like last year or something uh-huh. and so like we made him very well aware like you know there's a huge dog here i think that may have okay. been before maddox too 
And this guy at one point, um, one of the days he showed up, he just walked in downstairs and I guess Zeus like bit his finger and like, you know, it was like a really small bite. I felt terrible about it, obviously. But at the same time, we're like, I mean, someone came into Zeus's house. They didn't know <laughs> that's kind of what he's supposed to do, you know, but um, luckily the guy was cool about it and uh, it wasn't too bad. Just a little, little Nick. I know starting my day of construction with a little Nick getting bit by a dog is probably like the worst thing ever. Like, yeah, let me go work for my, with my hands for the next six hours. But, uh, True. but yeah, it was, uh, it's a close call there. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, Matt, we have a lot of college football stuff we need to hit on here on the full ride. Um, I want to start by there was a really good piece in uh, ESPN this week. Adam Rittenberg, who does really great coverage on uh, college football for ESPN. He did this piece on uh, college football's top 25 quarterback power rankings, future quarterback power rankings, which I thought was super, super interesting. And I don't think it's a surprise like it's kind of amazing. This is how good of a situation that Ohio state's in is that they lost Quinn Ewers and they're still number one on this list, which is pretty, pretty wild. Um, I, I thought this is a pretty solid list um, for the foreseeable future. I <laughs> quarterback, you made its way into the top 10 shout out to the NC state Wolfpack. Um, <laughs> I will say uh, South Carolina being at 18 and Tennessee nowhere to be found in this top 25, even though, we quote unquote, maybe uh, I'm going to do little bunny ears here that we may or may not have dropped the bag for a certain five star quarterback, uh, Mr. Nico. Uh, we'll well, see. see. Once he's committed, <clears throat> then I guess that's what I was kind of wondering. How far in the future is he? Are we going here? Like basically who has the the? it feels like who has the best backup quarterback? Like that's kind well, of so I think do. it's like forecasting the next three to five. So basically, like if Stroud leaves after this year, who's in there? And then is there someone at least on the foreseeable? Like you're basically going from him to McCord to um, maybe Devin Brown, whoever it is. But like it's just kind of do you see this being a, a situation where quarterback play is going to continue on an elite yeah. level for the next three to five years? And we should run down Ohio State one to USC three uh alabama four a and m which was interesting and then your georgia bulldogs at five um yeah and if you're if you're just going by like what is what is there like georgia's Mm got to be you know near the top of the list i guess you know if you're concluding this year a lot of people aren't gonna think stetson bennett's that good but in terms of having vandergriff and stockton but it's like i don't know not to just hate on um who's adam adam rittenberg right uh-huh. Not to just hate on the concept of this article, but it's like so much changes in college football, the portal and everything now. It's almost like whoever is two or three on this list is probably going to lose one of those starting one of those backup quarterbacks and they're going to end up being a starter for for one of the other top teams. Like it's like if if Georgia goes from Brock Vandegrift, a period of Brock Vandegrift having, you know, one or multiple years as a starter and then Gunnar Stockton having multiple years as a starter like that's going to shock everybody, honestly, because it's just things don't really work how they work on NCAA video games where you just recruit a position and the guys just develop and they and then they leave uh, or you, you can even convince them to come back for their senior year uh, in that game. So there's just so much like craziness that I'm sure is going to happen. And it feels like USC is a lot of assumption, right, that we got Lincoln Riley and he's going to get Heisman winners at USC. So 
I mean, that's probably a fair assumption, but I don't know this, the, the, just the concept of this seems interesting. Yeah. I think betting on Lincoln, like I know you're a Lincoln Riley skeptic in general, Matt Green, but I think on the, at the very least, you're not a skeptic when it comes to developing Heisman quarterbacks and the USC, like they're going to be okay in the quarterback department. I don't know if they're going to win titles with Lincoln Riley, but we do know they're going to put together some, some Heisman QBs. Like they're going to be prolific offensively. I think we can go ahead and count on uh, Southern California, Lincoln Riley. Although it will come down to drawing him out of his, his new home, because I don't know if I'd ever leave based on the (laughs) renderings I saw from the way Lincoln Riley's living. I don't think you could ever make me leave. I'm not leaving that compound. I'm hanging out. Absurd. How close he was like on the beach too, right? Or at least had a solid beach view. I don't know from whatever hill he's on or whatever, but yeah, that was a, that was a sick. What was it? Like $20 million. Like, I mean, it's insane, but I also think he got like a huge house. I think it's seven fireplaces or something. Like it's just the, uh, it's not like the, the craziest celebrity house I saw of late was, um, Tony Stewart. Did you see that? That went up for sale. No, um, he had like a, it's basically like a souped up Bass Pro Shops. Like that's what his house was. And like he had like all these like fish and like he had his own little waterfall. Like it was just, it, you, I'll have to send you the link, but that was like one of the more uh, grandiose ones that I, uh, I remember just being kind of, kind of wild. But yeah, I don't know. Just another fun list that I had to think about where I'm like, I think the other thing I should mention here is all the teams who made up the majority of this list are teams that are going to be in the playoff conversation that are going to be uh, that also ESPN FIP likes that um, S&P plus likes Mississippi state found their way in there. And we know that ESPN likes Mississippi state and the, and just analytics like Mississippi state. But I think that is a good sign. Like you want to be in this top 25 where it's like you just so much comes down to quarterback play now in college football and just in football in general that if you really want to compete at the highest level, you need to be in there. And that's what makes Wake relevant right now is that Sam Hartman's still there and that Dave Clawson's put together an offense that um, competes at a high level. So we'll we'll see. But I think you want to be in that zone if you really want to compete over the next couple of years. And that's like kind of like how we can tell the health of your program is we got to start with the quarterback room. It's like, what are you doing there? Do you have options after the guy who's under center right now? what uh what's the state of that room and like how you're developing and how you're getting guys in there i i think it's a pretty important list because it's a good marker of like where a program is yeah that's fair i thought um miami at six was interesting ahead of oklahoma like uh i mean obviously it's not lincoln riley's oklahoma but oklahoma's been churning out good quarterback play for for decades now, essentially at this point. And, and also Texas at eight, like having a guy like Sarkeesian, I would trust that Texas's quarterback play for the next three to five years is going to be better than Miami. Like obviously well, speaking Chris- of Texas, like let's just throw this out there. Cause right now arch is favored for Texas. Like I I've seen that arch is like, if it was today, like it, a lot of the people who would guess would say he's Texas bound, which is interesting. But Texas got Quinn Ewers, number one quarterback in his class. You still have Malik Murphy in this class. You still have um, Hudson Card, who is still, a, a he might be good. Like, we don't know. We didn't see enough last year. But, like, you talk about a loaded quarterback room. It's not even just, like, loaded. It's just, like, number one guy loaded. Like, just that, if you put Arch into that mix, like, I have no idea how you 
like that quarterback competition better get a documentary because I want visuals of like, I want everything. I would watch every second of how Sark gets through a spring with Arch Quinn and Malik and Hudson all still on the roster together. Cause like a couple of them are, will depart, but like that would be the most, I don't know. Like if I'm arch, I, I, I get that there's probably some good NIL stuff there, but I forgot who it was. It may have been a uh, friend of the pod, Graham coffee, who tweeted this out of like the wire quote where it's like the price of a brick just went up uh, when the stuff came out about uh, Nico or maybe not Nico. We should say uh, uh, maybe a, a certain uh, top recruit for quarterback recruit in the next class. We don't know for certain. We don't know for certain, but um uh, if that figure is correct and there is an NIL kid and there's a deal in place for eight mil, then Arch is like, all right, uh, well, that's the minimum. That's that's where we're starting now. We're we're going up. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's gonna come from that? Um, but to your money. point, just about Texas's quarterback room, it's like there's just I feel like there was that one point in history where we could just see crowded quarterback room, regardless, whoever's the comes out on top is going to be a good player but now it's like you know you have four good quarterbacks on a roster three of them could be gone within a year and then maybe you chose the wrong one the one that was ready right now but he wasn't ready for the future that maybe wasn't the best for the future so it's it's going to be a challenge Sarkeesian like for a guy who he obviously has some experience at Washington and at USC so he's not a first-time head coach or anything but you know a guy like Kirby Smart saw like very early in his tenure, the crowded quarterback room isn't always the, uh, the, the easiest thing to manage. It's still something that's, if you have a choice between like, I don't like if the, <laughs> I understand these are two extremes, but like, would you rather be, Hey, we need to get our grad assistant back onto the field because uh, <laughs> we don't have anyone who can play. Or would you rather just have too many good players? Like I, I would choose the too many good yeah, players in the room. With, without a doubt. Yeah. Tennessee fans are about to experience that a little bit. If Nico is official um, in April, which is what it looks like. And then it's like, oh, we just got Taven. What does that mean for Taven Jackson? It's like, well, it means they're going to compete. And that's a great thing. If we have to choose between the two of them after Hendon's gone, like that's a good problem to have. Um, but enough on Tennessee. I know you want to talk all things Tennessee, but uh, <laughs> shout out to Josh Dobbs, friend of the program. Um, that was that was great this week. So happy to talk with him as we continue to uh, establish the strong footprint uh, that was. I don't know if you caught the this segment about him talking about the Hail Mary in Athens. But I, did, uh, I did catch some of that. Uh, you talking to Josh Dobbs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was taking everything in his power not to just admit that it was just blind luck, you know. But no <laughs> preparation, sir. It's all they pre- obviously teams work on that stuff for sure. But it's actually um, kind of wild just how much they look they work on this kind of stuff. And I don't, uh, I know he mentioned that George only rushed three on that mm-hmm. play. I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you remember, but Lorenzo mm-hmm. Carter was in the end zone, like hmm. to you know knock down a jump ball or something, and. That guy could not have made a worse play <laughs> on the ball. He was just nowhere near the play. So I would have rather seen a, uh, a big wide receiver out there uh, than Lorenzo Carter. But, you know, Kirby, you live and you learn. It was a, uh, a lot of ups and downs in that year one. Well, we've made y'all adjust a lot uh, over the years on on defense, uh, just like at this year with the the benchings and the second quarter adjustments. Um, this <laughs> podcast, we're going to be talking about the spring storylines that uh, we're both monitoring that we've been thinking about for the last couple of weeks. That's our theme this week um, on the docket. Texas A&M quarterback competition, LSU's quarterback competition with Jaden Daniels entering the fold. 
um i put on here like i'm i'm just wondering just the drop off of uj's defense i'm curious to see how they look in the spring and what folks are saying around the program of like what what's this going to look like um could dj uangale lose his job to to Cade coming up there uh this spring notre dame really needing to nail this quarterback uh competition between buckner and uh drew pine who are very very different quarterbacks and they need to start off strong with uh, marcus freeman and then texas and florida who i think have great options either way they go but two very different options and will completely define their seasons i think that just where those two go but um let's start quickly with texas a&m so three different options josh pate tweeted out which is the most important spring quarterback option uh competition rather uh and i put texas a&m and there were a lot of responses to this and a lot of responses to me putting out like i don't know how it's not texas a&m is that you had the five-star connor kid uh coming in there you have um haynes king who through no fault of his own, got injured last year and didn't get to secure the job. So Calzada had to step in, but he was a high, uh, highly recruited kid. And then who knows the per knows the system pretty well now, especially knows the system the most of the three. And then you have Max Johnson who comes in and him coming in resulted in his tight end brother also committing. So you have that. So you have this three man group for a class that just finished number one, one of the best, the best ever in Aggie history. And the expectations are high. You you just beat Bama. Like I I think this is the biggest storyline for me is like who's who wins this competition because Texas A&M's offense has to be good this year. They have to be good, and they have to finally get the quarterback stuff nailed down. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then in terms of just being the biggest storylines, like we talked about, you know, the quarterback storylines, the, the competitions, those are really just the biggest storylines of all of spring. But when you talk about Florida, Texas, Notre Dame, Clemson, LSU, and A&M, like A&M seems like the team with the most realistic national title hopes next year that like they have to get the quarterback position right. And Haynes King is just this like what does he have 40 career passing attempts? Like he we we named him the starter and we trust Jimbo's, you know, thoughts on the quarterback position. But we just we haven't seen it, so it's it's hard to know really what to expect in Haynes King if he if he's just going to go into spring and just clearly be the guy because I see Max Johnson what he did at LSU last year like a program that just did not have a lot of things a lot of positives around it to be honest and he had a super productive year I think it was like twenty six touchdowns seven picks something like that like a very solid season with multiple playmakers just not playing or sitting out like at different times of the year. So I feel like Max Johnson can come in here and just be like, just such a, such a high floor, maybe like maybe not the highest ceiling of a guy like um, Haynes King, but I feel like you just know what you're getting with Max Johnson. So I'm just really curious. Like it feels like such a big time battle that it, one of those guys doesn't win the job. Like, are are they somewhere else when it comes fall? Like, it, it should be interesting. We got to change the, the transfer stuff. Like the window, it's like once you're past spring, like if you're there in the summer, like you don't leave in the spring, like that's it. You're locked in until next year. Like you cannot leave. Like that's just like we have to have something. We have to have a calendar where you can't do that, man. If you lose the competition 
And then these coaches have to scramble. And then every team just has like a walk on as their backup because everyone left and they're just down to nothing. Like it's, they got to fix this. I know what you mean there. Well, they they definitely need to fix the calendar. I feel like if you're, if you're claiming to want to what's best for the student athlete, I don't think you can make a restriction after spring because like we've just seen what, what the quarterback position is like, there's other opportunities out there. So if you know, you're not the starter granted an injury can happen, whatever can happen, but the spring, I feel like is guys, you know, really giving it a, a shot. You know, it feels like someone transfers after the season, they're just disgruntled by their lack of playing time. But you know, if they stayed around, went through spring and then still kind of saw where they were, because you know, sometimes it's not just a guy upset that he's not the starter and he wants to leave. A guy can just have a realization like, wow, I saw, I see all the recruits we just brought in, all the guys that are still on the roster. I'm like eighth string on this wide receiver depth chart. I should probably go somewhere else. So I think if, and especially it's a college, so the school year ends in May, you know, like, so I don't feel like you can make a restriction on like a guy, you know, finished out the school year. Now he can go somewhere else. There's gotta be, there should definitely be a restriction on like fall, fall camp. Like if you're, if you're at somewhere and don't get the job in August, you can't just be leaving and expecting to play that season at another college. Like that's, that seems reasonable, but I don't think you can really make a restriction on, you know, post spring transfers. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I just think it's like you give them a couple of weeks, you get two week window or something in the spring and then like after spring practice and everything where it's like after the semester and everything, you get two weeks to think it over if you want to compete into the summer when camp resumes or you can leave now. But then it's like once you commit to camp and you're part of the summer camp, like you cannot leave in like August, September where teams can't do anything like that. I just like Harrison Bailey leaving late last year and. I don't know. I just, I don't like it. I, I don't like that. Well, there's nothing uh, you can do about a guy, you know, who just wants to leave like, you know, two weeks before the season starts or Jamie Newman wanting to just opt out of the season altogether. But there is something you can do about him not being eligible to go to another school. So that's right. like, that's a different story of like, that's, that's legitimate free agency pro sports. Like you're just going to leave middle of the season and go play somewhere else. Like that's, I, I can't see that happening. Um, well, let's hit on LSU's QB choices. Cause I didn't have Jaden Daniels as a pick to LSU, man. Like this is, this was kind of wild and kind of went under the radar. Um, his transfer made sense with Zach Hill and just another coach just going down, uh, in Arizona state because they're just dealing with all kinds of NCAA issues. Um, I don't know what the future holds in Tempe, but Jaden Daniels out of there is not a good sign for the health of that program. And now like Miles Brennan took him like this is why it's just so interesting is that like Miles uh, Brennan was in the portal. Brian Kelly talked him out of the portal. Max Johnson leaves. So he thinks he's the guy and enter Jane Daniels. So he's like, man, now I got to compete all over again. Like I would have just left if you were going to tell me that you were going to go get somebody else in here. Um, and then you still have Garrett Nussmeyer. So I think LSU's quarterback competition this, uh, this spring will also be a pretty interesting, but I think folks might be surprised, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Miles Brennan wins this job and Jane Daniels made a mistake because I don't think like it, what we saw last year and the kind of quarterback that uh, 
Brian Kelly might like. And I mean, there is the Malik Zaire and uh, what was his name? Uh, who's really good, who I liked a lot, who won a lot of games for Notre Dame. Golson. Was it Golson, number five, who transferred to Florida Everett State Golson? at the end? Yeah, I think yeah, that was yeah. it. Um, good player. I liked him. Um, but we saw Jack Cohn. We saw like the kind of like offense that Brian Kelly probably would prefer to play. And Miles Brennan probably fits that more like the Tommy Reese higher. But is like, that he, more who Notre Dame could get to play quarterback and, and instead of maybe what Brian Kelly wants? Cause, cause that, I feel like that's still an underrated storyline of Brian Kelly coming to LSU is, Oh, we seen what he does in Notre Dame. He's just going to do that at LSU. Like, he could have seen what the shortcomings were at Notre Dame and been like, this isn't exactly what I'm trying to do. I need to go somewhere that I can get the players to do exactly what I'm trying to do. So we might not know necessarily the exact kind of guy Brian Kelly wants. Like we obviously have a, a, a track record of what he got at Notre Dame, but mm. I'm, I'm kind of with you on this too. I, I was really surprised. Like I'm not just sold on Miles Brennan, but in the small sample size we've seen of him, like I feel like he can be a good quarterback. So Jaden Daniels, like you're transferring, like he's granted, he's got, I guess just one. I mean, I guess everyone's got multiple years of eligibility left. I'm not really sure how it works anymore, but um, well, I think it, it dries out soon. I think well, it's, just, I guess everyone gets that go- COVID year, right? You're in yeah. college during that COVID year, then you can you know tack another one on. But um, I don't mm. know. It's coming off a, a 10 touchdown, 10 interception season. Like, I don't, I just don't know. I'm not sold on Jaden Daniels. And I thought he like, I, you can't blame a guy for wanting to get out of Arizona state for everything that's going on right now, but you're going to go somewhere where there's, there's not a clear path for playing time for you here. So yeah, I was also a little confused by this transfer. I'm, I'm, this is, this is a really interesting one to watch in spring. Um, how much of a drop off? UGA's defense might have because this is just they're putting on a clinic at the combine which I know you love Matt Green but and I saw today like uh was it Wyatt's hip movements where he's just twisting at a crazy uh crazy speed when he's changing changing gears um one of those drills um from the combine but I think they said Wyatt did a faster three cone drill than like Jarvis Landry or something (laughs) like that like which that's that's the quick space right like the quick yeah so these these athletes were insane on this Georgia team. Well, it looks like I mean you got Keely Ringo back, which will be important. He looks like a first rounder next year. Um, you got a lot of talent coming back, but it's a lot of young talent. It's a lot of um, unproven talent, and you have a new coordinator. Like we don't know you, that um, the co coordinator uh, stuff will be seamless. Like Dan Lanning was good. Maybe we learn that Dan Lanning did a lot more for this Georgia defense then folks gave him credit for it's like the kirby thing where um pete golding will never get credit for anything that pamas defense does because it's like well nick saban's defensive guy it's like coaches who fall into that like mel tucker was a great coach and we learned that mel tucker did a lot and he's missed because he's been great at michigan state he was turning colorado around like that dude was just a star and waiting but it's just when you're under those uh types of coaches it's hard to really understand like forecast how good you are um if you're going to be on your own and how much of an impact do you make? But I am very curious what Georgia's defense looks like, like all trolling aside with the Georgia Tennessee stuff. I am curious what Stetson and what this Georgia team looks like. If this defense goes from historically all time, great to like number eight 
number seven in the country, maybe number nine. Like, what does that do? Does that result in one regular season loss? Does that result in two games that you should not be in a shootout in, but you find yourself in a shootout because of the youth and inexperience, even with the talent? Like, what do you make of the spring and what you're looking for out of this Georgia defense and what, what matchups are, not even matchups, but what position uh, groups are you most intrigued by? Yeah, I feel like you said a lot there, so I'm going to try to uh, <laughs> respond to all of it. Um, I feel like for for how just a ridiculous show these guys have put on in the Combine, like I, I even heard one expert say it, uh, one of the guys on NFL Network, can't remember his name, that Jalen Carter was the best defensive lineman, is the best defensive lineman from this past Georgia team. Like he's, mm. this guy I think is going to be a legit top 10 pick. Like he's just, he wreaks havoc. Like he seems like he's more the every down, like I'm not going to compare anyone to Aaron Donald because he's the greatest defensive tackle of all time, probably. But he's that more every down, just like wreak havoc in the run game as a pass rusher. So I feel like Jalen Carter, I think, is going to be, you know, an All-American this year for Georgia. After him, it's a there's a lot of uncertainty. Like, like you said, Keely Ringo um, is a returning starter. Tyke Smith, you know, is an All-American at West Virginia. I don't know if he's going to play safety or if he's going to play that star role that most of the, of the film I saw from in West Virginia, he's playing that, that star kind of nickel role. So, but maybe he can play safety if that's, you know, the position that Georgia needs more. Chris Smith is obviously coming back um, from last year's team. And then with the linebackers, like, I don't know if I've ever seen a team have three inside linebackers drafted in one draft. Like I've, I've never heard of that. Like there's only two starting spots, right? And all three of these guys could go in the top two or three rounds too. Like it's it's just kind of absurd. I just tend to, you know, trust that the way Georgia's recruited, the way they develop defensively, that it's just going to be plugging another guy in. Like, you know, they're not going to have a guy as good as N'Kobe Dean. They're not going to have a Jordan Davis on this team next year. But like you said, like I don't see any reason Georgia's not a top, 10 at worst like top 20 defense nationally and I mean this team scored almost 40 points a game last year and so I think what a lot of people forget like so they gave up what 10 points a game maybe they give up 17 points a game like they were still scoring 40 a game and I think if they're challenged more in the second half of games like Georgia could have scored a lot more points they were basically just running the air out of the clock for the last you know 15 20 minutes of every football game last year so that's one thing it's it's a little different when the game's going back and forth and you know you just need those the offense to continue to make plays I just don't know if I see Georgia for one Georgia's schedule like I don't see that many teams challenging them in the regular season to begin with like I don't know what to expect from Oregon's offense like they had a good offense last year but like Tennessee is by far I think the best offense on Georgia's schedule after that, I mean, who is it? Like Auburn, Florida? Like, I don't know Kentucky. Like, I don't really know who's the team that's statistically going to, like, expose Georgia and make them not – like, even if they're not as good, like, they might not be exposed statistically. Like, they could still have very good production just because of the lack of teams on their schedule, like, capable of exposing them. You know what I mean? Like, it's – and also the the part about Mel Tucker too. I think that's that's the best point you made because I don't see a drop off. Like I, if you would have had a bigger drop off, I would have thought the drop off would be from Mel Tucker to Dan Lanning. 
because mm-hmm. Dan Lanning was such a young guy, Mel Tucker, so so much experience from the NFL and everything. And he's part of like the group that built what Georgia was under Kirby Smart. So he was part of that original staff. And you didn't see a drop off from 2018 to 2019 or yeah, 2018 to 2019, Dan Lanning's first year as I think Georgia was first nationally in uh scoring defense in 2019. So I could be getting my years mixed up there, but so going from Dan Lanning to a guy with a proven track record, like Will Muschamp, and it's obviously Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann kind of co-defensive coordinators and under a guy like Kirby smart with the way we've recruited, it's, it's hard to see. It's hard to see too big of a drop off for Georgia's defense. Like they're not going to be a transcendent talent like they were in 2021, but it's hard to see. It's hard for me to think that Georgia won't have a good defense. I think it's good. I, there's no chance that they don't have a good defense. It's just that, like, will it be leaky enough where it costs them a game or two? Will it be leaky enough where they get surprised? Like, that's the whole thing. It's like Georgia's going 10 and 2, 11 and 1, 10 and 2 at the absolute worst. But, like, does the leaky defense co- cost them something? But, uh, yeah, see. it's possible. I, um, Man, the, the NFL Combine has been insane, though. Like, mm. I, Georgia wouldn't have gotten better production if, or better exposure if they just took out an hour-long ad on 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 NFL Network. Like, it was just insane. Like, there's different position drills going on, and they're talking about Georgia while it's happening. Like, guys that just aren't even on the field. Like, they were just talking about them nonstop. Like, and I'm I'm glad to see a guy like Trayvon Walker get as much hype as he's gotten in the draft process because. He seemed like the one of the real unsung heroes of Georgia's defense this past year, just because the middle linebacker, Nicobe Dean, is making so many of the plays. Like those linebackers just make so many of the tackles. And Jordan Davis just like more than even a player on the field. Jordan Davis was like a a, a cultural icon. Like, I don't even know. Like Jordan Davis was just like larger than life. So I feel like Trayvon Walker just kind of got overshadowed on a lot of fronts for just doing and maybe even not even not even playing the sexiest position. Like he might be capable of rushing the passer and being a more complete defensive end than he was ever really asked to be at Georgia. So if he's got the first one coming off the board, it just speaks to just how loaded this defense was. And Adam Anderson too, obviously we know what happened off the field with him. Like that dude would have been a combine freak too. And he would have have been a first or second round pick. So it's just, just a insane group they had this year. I'm (laughs) They they had to win a championship. Like people said, if they if Kirby can win a championship with that 2021 team, he might not ever do it. Well, luckily we didn't have to find that out. Uh Notre Dame. I think they real this is an interesting one because Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner both got time, even with Jack Cohen in the fold. It was a revolving door at quarterback in South Bend this past fall. But Buckner is just like he's at, he's got some anthony richardson vibes and then you got uh, it's kind of like emory jones and anthony richardson uh and i was Bend thinking um jade Ma- uh kate mcnamara and jj mccarthy yeah same thing a little bit but i think jj mccarthy has a lot more up like he's potential heisman guy like i don't know that's if fair. Buckner. That's how like i don't how know he was being used last year right pine has solid upside he showed more he flashed more uh in the passing game but like buckner's running style like i'm just i'm so curious to see what they do there because buckner was the higher rated quarterback but it's just going to be more of a run heavy scheme if it's buckner and if it's not then they're going to have to just go with the more traditional notre dame guy where it's like solid it's drew pine's got a lot of wisconsin quarterback energy to, so you to him. say 
traditional Notre Dame quarterback, but I feel like the Tommy Reese's of the world. I feel like Tyler Buckner has been the more traditional Notre Dame quarterback. Like you said, Everett Golson, like we've seen the Malik Zaire, like we've seen They're a all lot pocket of guys though. Those are pocket a, dudes. Who is it? Wood Woodruff or um, I might be getting a name confused. Who was the quarterback when they played Georgia in, um, in Notre Dame? That wasn't Ian Buck. No, at Notre Dame. Was that not Buck? No, I don't think so. I'll have to look at I thought that Buck up. was both of them. Was he not both? Hmm. I'm going to have to. Uh, what year was that? 2017. Now this is driving me nuts. I should. Because uh... it, it was after. Um... Oh, Brandon Wimbush. Wimbush. So I was, I was a little. I forgot I was, about. I was close there. So I forgot about. So they had a lot Brandon of Wimbush. these just athletic quarterbacks that are pretty just mediocre passers. So I feel like uh, Tyler Buckner kind of fits that that more than Drew Pine. So I I don't know. Granted, none of those offenses were very good. So I don't know if you want to continue to can uh, continue that trend. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I'm I'm curious to see what happens with this one. I just we such a small sample size for drew pine it's 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 hard to get excited about drew pine i'll say that but it is important because marcus freeman needs to have a good offense and needs that to momentum to look good he can like he needs to look strong uh right away with uh Notre Dame faithful replacing a legend like brian kelly um i want to group these three because i think there are three blue bloods there are three powerhouse programs that all three had seasons they want to forget Clemson, Texas, and Florida. They all had the seasons from hell. Um, Florida fired their coach. And Clemson, Clemson, would, Clemson fans would be irate at being put in the same uh, conversation with those two teams. But finishing second in the ACC and having the offense that they had this past year, it was in like the offense was a problem. Like I understand Will Shipley being injured for a lot of it, like hurt you, but like it should not have been that bad. DJ Uangale should not have been that bad. The offense, I don't even have the CFB stats in front of me, but uh, awful. That being said, defense still legit. The Clemson defense is still still strong. Had a weak recruiting sky cycle for Dabo. They promoted from within at OC and DC. Um, but I think Texas, Florida, and Clemson really need to sort out the quarterback stuff. This is the spring is so interesting to me because you can't do the Richardson Emory Jones thing at Florida again. Billy Napier needs to establish something early. Like we're not doing the back and forth there. Then you look at Texas. Do you go with the true fresh or go with, I mean, kind of the true freshman, even though Quinn Ewers like graduated early and was at on the spring campus for uh, Ohio state last year and all that kind of stuff. But um, do you go Quinn or do you go Hudson card? And then you have um, Clemson with Cade Klubnik, who was the number one Texas kid. Uh, I think he was, yeah. Number six nationally in his class. Um, true freshman, but he was like recruited by Brandon Streeter. Who's their new OC. Does he push and maybe just beat out DJ Uangale, who got a bunch of endorsement stuff, by the way. He was an early NIL winner with his uh, Bojangles uh, ads and commercials that he was doing. So um, I am so curious because Clemson, they need to they need to be open to everything because like you cannot do this back to back years if you want to remain who you've been. And like part of it may maybe what we learned about Clemson or maybe what we learned last year is that they just got insanely lucky with uh, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence for eight years. And unless they land the just six years, right? Well, six, those are three and done, but yeah, I got you. 
Um, and like that was the thing it was like they were just really good at that. And it just I don't know. Maybe they're I don't know. I'm just so curious to see what these three universities do this spring with their quarterback situation because i'm going to be reading the stories uh, from those beat writers and how they look in the spring because man heisman odds are affected national championship odds are affected like i i don't know man i which of the three are you most interested in well to be honest i didn't really have clemson on my radar as much until you kind of brought them up and like i'm more and more intrigued by that the more I think about it, because it almost feels like Uyunglele like pulled a bait and switch on mm-hmm. on Dabo. Like if you just look at like talking about a quarter, like coaches having certain style quarterbacks, like there's no one that fits that better than Clemson. Like go to Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence. Like the running element has to be there for their offense to work the way it does. And like you see, the athlete uh, Uyunglele is, and you saw the couple starts he had when Lawrence was out like he was that and then last year he just he doesn't seem like a guy who wants to run and that has Mm -hmm. it seems like that part has to be has to go with Clemson's offense so I'm I would assume that Uyunglele can hold on to that job but you know with how he played last year it's it's definitely not a guarantee I feel like the Florida the Florida job is probably the one that interests me the most because like Emory Jones was in the portal, then out of the portal, decided he was staying. The whole fan base is just in love with Anthony Richardson. Like you thought Anthony Richardson was, you know, Cam Newton 2.0, the way he's talked about from the fan base and a guy who's just done so little with, you know, such a small uh, sample size and shoot, I should know this. One of them is out for spring. I can't remember which one. I think one of them is gone for the spring so that makes me wonder about Jack Miller coming from Ohio State, like pulling a Joe Burrow. Like, who the hell knows how good this guy is? Like, he might come back. Like, we Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson have not been impressive at all. And I'm not sure which one has been less impressive. Like, Anthony Richardson has has shown signs, but he's also like gotten hurt so much that but that now that kind of feels like it's part of him, right? It's part of his, his story that, Oh, he's kind of an injury prone quarterback. Maybe it's not fair. And also you don't give any, any uh, passes for getting hurt doing cartwheels in the team hotel. But so I feel like Emory Jones, I respect him for, you know, playing in the bowl game, even though he was going to transfer and then, you know, deciding to want to hang around and compete. But I wonder if Jack Miller is the one we're just, we're not talking about. And if we go into spring and, you know, he could just be head and shoulders better than the other two. Like, I wonder, like, obviously, you know, Anthony Richardson seems like the best athlete of the three, but that's obviously there's more things that go into playing the quarterback position than, than just being a great athlete. Jack Miller's eyebrows scare me. I don't know. I don't know if I can trust (laughs) them. They're strong, man. I don't know if you've gotten a glimpse of those bad boys, but very strong eyebrow game for, for Jack Miller. That's why that's why he originally played for Ryan Day. They had uh they had so much in common. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, who do you think then, wins? Well, how about this? Who do you think wins? Who do you think wins the three jobs? Oh man, I gotta go Quinn Ewers. Like okay. if this guy is really this big time a prospect, like Hudson Card did not solidify that job by any means. Like he could be better than Ewers in spring, but I'm going Ewers there. 
I'd definitely go Uyunglele to hold on at Clemson. And right now, if you say win the job, like who takes the first snap of the season for Florida, that, that mm-hmm. that's that's your measurement. Ah, uh, I feel like Florida fans are going to be upset if it's Emory Jones. <laughs> I kind of feel like it's going to be Emory Jones. Like, just kind I would of be surprised if it's not Richardson. That, I would be surprised if it's not Anthony Richardson. I think the Based fans definitely want Richardson. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think it's more of what he ran at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Like, I think um that's Richardson, yeah i think that's more of the kind of high octane offense that he wants to run but i am i'm very curious i'm gonna say klubnik wins and just chaos and sues at clemson i think they are is he he's starting the first game or he's yeah. like wins out as the season goes i, I could see that at- scenario mm. i don't see i don't see dj not starting the first game that that would be crazy. That would be. A, Y'all don't have uh, Clemson on the schedule this year, right? Or do you? Georgia? Yeah. No, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, you don't who, have Clemson. Not sure who Clemson opens opens with this year. Um, that's a good question. They have Georgia Tech. Man, why does Georgia Tech schedule Clemson early every year? That's just a devastating loss. They all just the time. want to go ahead They're and get not, that out of the way. That is a really nice schedule for Clemson. I just went through. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that it'll be Cade. I think they're going to switch things up. Brandon Streeter, personally recruited Cade. Uh, he gets the job, wins out, DJ transfers. Then I'm going to say uh, Anthony Richardson wins at Florida. And I with you that Quinn Ewers wins at Texas. Because if Quinn Ewers, based on everything we know and just the hype surrounding him, he should win that job if he's legit. Is it he, is he, it a uh, is it a red flag if Quinn Ewers does not win the job? Yes. Now yes. you're talking if about he does two not beat years out, in college. Yeah, like that's a problem. He's had time. Um, I think he should win this job. Um, oh, I've got Matt Green. Um, anything else you'd like before we wrap up here this evening? Um, I just want to break, you know, break the news to any Bryant Bulldogs fans out there. Your uh oh no your tourney your run is over. So, you know, I thought I thought Peter Kiss was gonna make his uh, NCAA tournament debut, but uh I guess technically he did, but that's why, you know what? That's, that's where I'm going to leave this <laughs> grinds my gears segment instead of like tournament style. If you win your conference, you should not have to play in a play in game. It's yeah. garbage. They, I agree the, with that. The, the four play in game should be for all of the four 11 seeds or all the four 12 seeds, whatever are like the last eight at large bids. That's who should have the play in games. Like it's garbage to win your, Little conference, whatever the Horizon League, they're not in the Horizon League. The Horizon League is more respectable than that. But whatever conference they're in, and they get to go play, I don't even know who they just played. I was I was watching the game. Wright State. It's mm. like I think Wright State actually is from the Horizon League. But yeah, it's just it's whack. You should you should get to go get blasted by Kansas. All right. Like at least people will be watching your game against Kansas, like instead of the two 16 seeds. So that's my rant. For uh for March Madness. Enjoy enjoy the first weekend. This is the best weekend. I would say best sports weekend of the year coming up right here. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Just how many how many college basketball games are there in this four day period? Like 40? We could do the math here if we wanted to. But there's a, a bunch. Yeah. I'll have to think on that. I don't know if that I, I have to think on that. Um, Matt Green, always a pleasure. Follow you on Twitter, Matt underscore W underscore Green for all things college football. All Matt.
today. And I will talk to you next week. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the full ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you again to uh, my good friend, Matt Green, for coming on the pod as he does every week. Go ahead and give him a follow, Matt underscore W underscore Green. Uh, go ahead and do that today. And if you like listening to Matt and I talk all things college football, email us with any thoughts, questions, anything like that at Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. And then, of course, leave this show in this episode a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or ever get your podcast takes like two seconds. It'd be great. Um, don't forget, go check out the homepage, chasethomaspodcast.com, uh, sports renaissance man. Yeah, that's me. Sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. That's simple. Follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. A lot of stuff, but, uh, let's, uh, keep this thing moving. Let's keep this show growing. And, uh, letting other people find the show and listen and all that good stuff. So um, let's keep it moving. New episode coming tomorrow, it looks like. And uh, yeah, the Vols, they won. And they're going dancing for a little bit longer. Michigan, who's concerned? It's not me. Couldn't be me. Could not be me. Oh, and then shout out to the Mox, uh, the Sports Renaissance Women's uh, Father's alma mater. So go Mox uh, this evening. Um, but I will talk to you guys tomorrow. I'm with Eric. How'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.